Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Sarah, and this is the Squiggly Careers Podcast where each week we take a different topic to do with work and explore the ups and the downs and some ideas for action and tools to try out that we hope will help you to navigate your career with a bit more confidence, clarity and control. It's National Careers Week here in the UK, which has inspired us to do a few different sorts of episodes. We've had some squiggly career conversations with a few really fascinating and interesting people to give you a window into their world of work which is always such a good thing to do. Our conversations this week include Helen talking to Jim McLeod, a Royal Navy Rear Admiral, who shares some incredible examples of how he squiggled and stayed. You can hear me talking to Steph Douglas, the founder of Don't Buy Her Flowers, about her sort of entrepreneurial life and the realities of running her business and how that works and at times doesn't work with the rest of her life. She's very honest and fun, so really worth listening to that. And you can hear Helen chatting to BBC journalist Simon Mundy about progression and how to create, not wait for career opportunities. And today you're going to hear my conversation with Eric Sim. Eric is brilliant. His career story is full of resilience and bravery. And our conversation together, I think, will always stay with me. I will always remember some of the advice and the words of wisdom and just his general calm and collected approach to our conversation together. He's got a brilliant story, which I don't want to share too much of because I'd much rather you listen to it and hear it straight from Eric. But I do really appreciate him taking the time to talk to us. He was actually recommended to us by one of our Squiggly Career community. So I did some research. He does some incredible writing on LinkedIn where he has over 2 million followers. And so I got in touch with him out of the blue. So I'm very grateful for him saying yes and then making time for us completely out of his time zone, given he lives in a very different part of the world. And so I hope you enjoy learning more about him and his career story. So Eric, thank you so much for joining us today for this squiggly career conversation. I can't wait to find out more about you and your career. Sarah, thank you for inviting me. It's really a delight to be on your show. So we thought it might be good to just start from the start of your career. And I know you've squiggled in lots of different directions and we're going to explore loads of those things together. But what was your first job? How did you get that first job? Maybe share a bit about how you started in the world of work. The very first job is when I was uh, around 10 years old. Mm -hmm. My father sells noodles. He's a street food. I mean, he was a street food vendor. So he has been selling prawn noodle for for 30 years. (laughs) 
And uh, when I was young, so I was like brought to the store to help out cleaning the tables. Then from cleaning the tables to washing the bowls, taking orders, and uh, eventually uh, cooking, slicing the chili, and uh, without knowing, rubbing my eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> so I get all that. So I helped him for 10 years before he finally decided to retire. When I was 17, I was able to cook for myself. And then when you sort of then maybe either left home or went into the first job that you did that was perhaps sort of outside of your family, what did that look like? What did you want to do? Where were you hoping to start your career and did it work out as you'd hoped? I did a bartending job in a nightclub when I was in the university to make some pocket money because mm -hmm. by the time well, I was like year two in my university days, after that, I was studying engineering. After that, I thought, maybe let's try something else. Let's try uh, banking. And I knew nothing about banking. My friend, my classmate, engineering classmate, he told me, hey, do you know that DBS Bank came to the campus for campus recruitment? I said, I didn't know about it. You know, we are in engineering. So obviously they didn't come to engineering department. Say, why don't you write in? So I wrote in unsolicited to say that I'm Ericsson. I'm going to graduate from engineering. I'm interested in banking, marketing or sales or risk management, anything. Just give me a chance and they call me up for interview. So I met up with the hiring manager directly. Two weeks later, they give me a call to say that, yeah, just come down for one more round of HR interview. And after that, I got a job. And so when you're thinking back now over your career, because as we'll discuss, you've done lots of really interesting different things. You've lived in different places as well. What feels like the bravest decision you've made in your career in hindsight? I don't know whether it felt brave at the time or not, but when you're now looking back over what you've done so far... Was there a moment where it did feel like you were doing something very different or really far out of your comfort zone? In my first job, being an engineer with uh, zero social skills, I didn't do well because I didn't know how to treat people. I, don't, I didn't communicate well. So after two years, I thought I need to reset. I said, how can I reset? If I go and find another job, it's going to be the same thing. Why don't I go and do a master's in a country that I've never been? So I chose Lancaster University in the UK. Mm -hmm. I took all my savings, but my savings was only enough for about 10 months. Right. This is a one-year course. <laughs> so I said, should I go or should I not go? I decided that I should go while I'm still young. If... For the very last one month, I didn't have money, I'll, I'll just borrow, you know. Yeah. So I went. I didn't think that it was very risky or rash. But now looking back, you know, to take all your entire savings. Yeah. And then still short of one month to live in a country that I've never been. I've never been to the West at that point in time. Yeah. You know, I was like 27 years old, hardly travel, a short time in Hong Kong. That's it. Now I'm going to a place and I'm not sure whether I can get used to the cold. <laughs> sure whether I can complete my study. And, you know, I'm changing from 
a job that comes with stable monthly income to one where I'm paying and there's no guarantee I get a job after that. Lancaster is not your Oxbridge or Ivy League that you are guaranteed a job. I think that sounds very brave when you start to as well put all of the different factors together. You know, you'd never been to the West before. You didn't know if you were going to get a job. You were using up all of your money. It's sort of the perfect storm of things that must have felt really hard. Did anything surprise you about that year? So when you were, you know, in the north of England, which, as you said, is pretty cold, with lots of people that you'd not met before, studying in a way that was probably very new to you, and, you know, leaving behind, I'm guessing, kind of friends and family as well as the stability... What surprised you about that experience? In Singapore, you know, the focus is on academic and, you know, you need to study hard, get your grades. You know, the typical poor family kind of a route to get out of poverty, study hard, get your grades, get a job. So there was not much of entertainment. So when I went to Lancaster, the thing they welcome you is this um, pub crawl. (laughs) <laughs> okay, you could, so you got inducted by going to lots of pubs. <laughs> yeah, so pub cross, so I say, yeah, um, you know, we can go to a pub, but I didn't know there are pubs in the school. <laughs> it's, it's, we, I never experienced that where the pub is in the school. So I said, wow, so it's really living a life, so not, not just studying, because Going to a pub is not just for drinking, it's also socializing. And so uh-huh. that's where I can improve my social skills, how to talk to people. And these are very important because later on, when I go to work, I need these skills to do the selling to customers, to build the relationship with my colleagues. Yeah. And as you then came out of that experience, kind of going almost like back to studying for the year and then you started to progress into the roles that then you went into. What was a tough moment? Or we sometimes describe them as knotty moments. So in your squiggly career, we know there's no such thing as a straight line to success. Everyone has these knotty moments where it's really tough, things feel hard and we find our way through those moments, but they are difficult. And sometimes, I'm sure if someone went onto your LinkedIn profile when I was doing my research before our interview today, they would look at you and they'd be like, wow, he's got all this incredible experience. He's so successful. He now runs his own organization. So all of these very shiny things and lots of people will think, well, I could never do what Eric's done. I could never do that. So I think it's always nice for our listeners to learn a bit about something that perhaps didn't quite go to plan, but then also feel reassured that you found your way through that. Yeah, there's one which is more recent now and to bring people to my mm-hmm. most recent banking career. So I joined one of the international investment banks. And in our industry, we call them pouch brackets bank. So there are nine of them. So I, when I first joined, I told my boss that I've been teaching all along, you know, in the university, <clears throat> I like to continue that. So this was like maybe three months into the job and I need to fly back to Singapore. I was based in Hong Kong then that job was MD position, managing director position in top investment bank. But I say I need to fly back and I will be receiving a teaching fees. Mm-hmm. 
So when I do work outside, I want to get the blessing of my boss and the proper approval. I didn't want to do it quietly. He said he told me that Eric, we are moonlighting. <laughs> so obviously he's not really happy for me to do mm. so, which is rightly so. I mean, banks pay me enough. Yeah. So now, what should I do? Do I, for the sake of a couple of thousand dollars, strain the relationship with my boss, potentially risking MD position in a top investment bank? I just joined a bank for three months, right? It's not a good way to create an impression. Mm-hmm. Then I decided that I should continue and insist. So I said, okay, if you're not happy with me receiving these teaching fees, I'll ask them to just reimburse my flight and um, my accommodation. So he said, okay. So I got the school to say, don't pay me, but just reimburse. It's a, you know, I get slightly less. I say, I'm okay. But I want to get paid. I want to make it proper. And finally, he approved. I got HR to approve. I got compliance to approve. And I, I did that. And I continued my teaching. The relationship, I don't know then, how it has been because I, if I didn't do that, would it be better or worse? Yeah. I, I'm not sure. But I'm glad I did because I then went on to become a, a young associate professor at uh, one of the top Hong Kong universities. And because I continue, that's why I can do a pivot into a portfolio career, which is what I'm doing now, teaching in a university, training, you know, writing book, doing key opinion leader marketing. So had I say that, okay, maybe now is not the time. Maybe I try next year. Maybe I you know one way is to tell the university to say that I just joined this bank. This is one of the biggest job. I cannot teach for you this year. Let me come back next year. Chances are they would have found somebody and come the following year, right? They will use that somebody instead of coming back to me. Then my teaching will stop. And if my teaching stop, it is difficult to go to and then say, hey, can you make me a junk associate professor? Because you haven't been teaching for a few years. How can we know that you can still teach? So that is a naughty moment which um, I gladly untie. <laughs> <laughs> I think what's so interesting about that story is you didn't necessarily know at that time you were going to do that career pivot, but what you did sound to me certainly like you were very confident about is I'm guessing how much you enjoyed teaching. It sounded like you got a lot of satisfaction from that and you knew it was important to you as part of your learning and your development. So sometimes there's a great phrase that uh, someone I work with introduced me to where he said, at times we need to be stubbornly adaptive. So, and I think you you just described yourself being stubbornly adaptive because you held on to what was really important to you, which is, okay, well, I do still want that teaching to happen. I don't want to let go of that, but I will adapt in terms of what it looks like to make that happen. And if that means in the short term, I don't get the fees or we do it in a slightly different way, I will adapt around it, but I'm going to hold on to that thing that's really important to me. And with that potential jeopardy of thinking, I'm not sure what this means in terms of my relationships, but I think when you stay true to what's important to you, it gives you that confidence to keep going perhaps 
Yes, and uh, I managed to stay for six years and then, you know, th- those type of position, if your boss doesn't like you, you normally get fired. Yes. <laughs> and sometimes it's also to show them, this is also how I negotiate with client, right? The client will say no to you to say that we are not going to hire your bank to do our corporate finance acquisition or fundraising. But it is me with this attitude, I will restructure the deal. I will say, if you know, if you don't like this target, maybe I'll give you another target. If you don't like to buy companies in, in China, maybe I'll bring you to US to buy companies. Mm. There's always people saying no to us. And I cannot accept no all the time. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll not go anywhere. And you mentioned there your relationship with managers and bosses. How important have those people been as part of your career? Or have there been other people, maybe informal mentors or families or friends, who have been those critical people for you as you've been developing throughout your career? Bosses are very important. And good bosses uh, don't come easily. I, I think if one person has one good boss in his or her career, you, you know, you consider yourself lucky. So I consider myself lucky. When I graduate from Lancaster University, thinking now I spend my money, you know, I work hard, yeah. I took the right bet. Uh, let me go to London and interview with some international bank. Maybe I can get a job in London. I went there wearing my my suit. I, I didn't have a suit from Singapore. We didn't need to wear suit at that time. So I went to Oxfam to buy a secondhand suit. And obviously I didn't get my size. So I need to buy something like this, two size bigger. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> so I'm wearing this suit. And it, you know, when you go to Oxfam, you don't get a full suit. You just get a jacket. Yeah. I, I'll just make do with my own pants. <laughs> A match suit, oversized, just came from Singapore, you know, studying for like eight to nine months now, going to London for interview. I think I went for five different companies, but none of them gave me the second round. I wouldn't give myself the second round. <laughs> so no choice, um, no job, no money. So I came back to Singapore. So when I came back to Singapore, it was 1997. And that is the Asian financial crisis. Currency depreciated some 20 to 30%. And there was no job, not the job that I I wanted. I wanted to work in the front office. And because the market was volatile, some bank lost money at that time. They were looking for risk manager to manage the risk better. So I changed tag and say, okay, let me change to risk management and see what jobs I can find. So within a month, I got two offers, one from Standard Chartered Bank, one from a bank bigger than Standard Chartered Bank. I later on chose Standard Chart, a smaller bank, not as sexy a role, <laughs> but because the boss believed in me. The boss believed in me and I chose him. His name is Prasanna Tombre. And he believe in me so much that when I give an answer that is obviously wrong, he wants to know my thinking behind. But he said that this is so obviously wrong. And I know that, Eric, you normally don't give this type of answer. Let me tell me your rationale. So when I tell 
him the rationale, the obviously wrong turns out to be right. <laughs> so that gives me a lot of confidence mm. to share my opinion because before that, I have this uh, inferiority complex. I have a lot of self-doubt. I'm not sure I, I wouldn't say it, but with him, I suddenly become another person and that built a very strong foundation for my career afterwards. And what a brilliant example of a leader as well being vulnerable enough and creating a, an environment of trust where he then says to you, not you're wrong, but I'm curious to know how you got to that conclusion or like tell me more about that and just demonstrating that ability to want to understand, to ask really good questions. And then of course it's the output of that, the outcome of that is then you do an even better job because as you said, it built your confidence, your manager also being open to changing their mind, to hearing a different point and view and perspective. And I do think for all of us, when we work for those brilliant bosses, what we see is role modeling. We see role modeling of really like great behaviors that bring the best out in all of us. And then I think when we move into manager positions ourselves, we then think that's what I want to do. I, will, I know how important it is to behave in a way where if that's the behaviors I want to see from my team, that has got to come from me. It's got to start with me. Yeah, so right, uh, Sarah. So very key to instead of always looking for the best, biggest company, you know, highest title or highest salary, is just look for a boss because the kind of confidence and foundation that you can build for yourself under such a boss means your market value will go up. It means you can command a much higher salary later on. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.
now you have done so many interesting and different things in your career so whether that's writing books or as you said you've now got more of a portfolio career doing lots of different things doing speaking uh, you know you write some brilliant articles on LinkedIn that I was reading you know, you've worked in big investment banks when you reflect what do you feel most proud of is there a sort of standout thing that you feel proud of or maybe a couple of things that you could share with our listeners after I left banking I'm very happy that you know people still come to me whether they are junior or senior I mean the last thing I want is when I held the MD title you know in the investment bank obviously if I decide their bonus if I decide their performance appraiser they will treat me nice <laughs> right so the last thing I want is when I no longer hold that title then people disappear or they treat you differently but no I'm still very happy the people who treated me nice are still treating me very nice. And people who didn't treat me nice are also now treating me nice. <laughs> Maybe I'm no longer a threat to them because you know I'm no longer competing with them in the same industry. So this is something that I feel I'm, I can be proud of. That means I must have treated them well. Mm. I must have treated them with respect. I didn't make them unnecessarily come back to work you know on a Sunday night uh, which is very common in, in banking and people who I thought didn't like me when I was working in banking it could be because you know we are fighting for deals or competing but now they have changed you know uh, now you know we once those uh, competition goes away yeah they come back they ask me out for lunch or, you know, they even buy my books. I've got people who buy 10 copies to say, hey, Eric, here to support you. I just bought 10 copies of your books. That's so nice. It just shows the importance of investing and building relationships and how those relationships often go way beyond the role that you're in in that moment because you never quite know where those relationships might pop up again or they might take you and I think I had a similar fear when I moved out of my working in big organizations like yourself I worked for Barclays I worked in banking and then I worked um, for a big British food retailer for a while and I remember first going into as you've described we're probably not quite as portfolio as you but to run my own company thinking does that mean that no one's going to be interested in me anymore and you have that fear don't you that those relationships are built on the role and the job titles that you had and then what you realize with a bit of perspective is of course all of those brilliant people who supported you then are going to support you now and I think we had that exact same experience of if anything those people support you more because they want to see you succeed and they believe in you and so I think it just reminds us that you know investing in our career community which sometimes I think you know has felt hard over the last couple of years with the pandemic and everybody has very busy day jobs and, you know, we can always prioritise those tasks that we've got to tick off our to-do lists. But just spending some time in your days and your weeks, just building those relationships in a less transactional way, in a more just being really curious, having conversations, you know, exactly like the conversation we're having today where I'm just really curious to learn more about your career. There's not an output or an outcome that we have to get to. It's just about learning and then you never know where those relationships might take you and so we always ask this question for every guest that we have on the podcast which is has there been any advice that you've been given in your career 
that's really stuck with you that you found really helpful or do you just have advice that you could share with our listeners that you just think is really useful as people are thinking a bit about their careers and where their squiggly careers could take them? Yeah, I think social capital. Social capital is your currency to success. Social capital is the goodwill that you have accumulated over the years. So whether you are buying coffee or lunches, whether you are helping other people. So every time you help somebody, every time you buy lunch or take somebody out, you are kind of depositing your social capital in a bank. And this will earn you interest. <laughs> the, the interest is going to be very minimal if you withdraw within a short time. Yeah. But if you let it sit for three, five, ten years, it can really become a big chunk. And then one day when you need it, you can use it all in one go. So you can be buying all your coffee and lunches over the years, but you, you don't ask for anything. But one day, like for example, in my case, last December, I published a book. And when I go on my social media and say, I just published a book, the people who have treated them with respect and well, they come back and buy my book. It could be somebody I treated well 5, 10, 15 years ago, even 20. So it's so amazing. People from my school days, my classmates, oh. my army days, they all start appearing, you know. I say, <laughs> where have you been, you know. They say, oh, we have, I've been uh, look, reading your LinkedIn articles. But I say, you never engage. I say, it's not convenient because now they are senior. They Sometimes oh. they are CEO of some companies. It's not appropriate for them to engage or comment but they are reading and when it's time they, they return the favors so mm. so to speak but for us i think now that we've gone so long it's no longer doing the returning favor it's just uh, the right thing to do yeah i think what you've described there so brilliantly is that giving mindset so the research that people like adam grant over at wharton has done on if you give without keeping score so you you just think well how can I help how can I give and that giving could be I'm just going to buy you a cup of coffee or I'm just going to give you 10 minutes or you've got a question and I'm going to try and help you with that and we don't worry about an immediate return on that giving then it pays off we sometimes describe it as career karma just trust that just by doing the right thing the right thing will then happen to you yes karma I I wouldn't call it career karma because this can be life karma yeah, you're right. It's probably bigger than that. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes people just help you back, you know, something you want a referral, you wanted to find out about some information. It could be something for your family. So your kids need to go to some schools, <laughs> moving to another country. If you've got some social capital, you can just call, hey, what school should I get my kids into? Or yeah. which apartment should I should I rent? Which area should I stay? So all of those, if you have social capital, is simple. But yeah. if you don't have, you go through some agents, then they may not give you the best advice. That's such a lovely way of thinking about it. I've not heard it described as social capital before, but that idea of sort of making those almost investments really makes sense to me. And as you say, it's probably good life advice, not only career advice. 
So Eric, if people wanted to find out more about you and the work that you do, because there are lots of places they could go, perhaps you could just share a bit about the company that you run and your books and where you'd like to point people towards if people are thinking, wow, Eric's been really fascinating and now I sort of want to dive a bit deeper into the work that he does. Sure. I'm the founder of Institute of Life. Our mission is to train professionals to be successful at work and in life. I write on LinkedIn for the last seven years, giving career advice, life advice, taking advantage of our weakness and and failure. A lot of people wanted to dig more and it's very difficult to search for my articles that I've written more than a year ago. So I've written this book. I've put all the best bit into this book. It has got 66 bite-sized chapters each chapter with a story and with an actionable tip that the reader can take away. So if, if anybody wants to know more about me, yeah, come to LinkedIn, you know, pop by, say hi. If you want to read a couple of chapters, go to Amazon, uh, look for Small Action by Eric Sim. In the Kindle version, I have made five chapters for free. You can read. The introduction plus five chapters. And that alone is already enough to give you a few tips to, to get going. You don't it's have to buy it. the book, you know, just read the five <laughs> chapters. And yeah, with, with this, you will be able to know more about me and my work. And if you want to join like the community, you can follow this hashtag 66 small actions on LinkedIn or Instagram. Yeah, if, if you Google or you search, you will see my followers, my community talking about the book and talking about the action they have taken from the book. So you don't just, when you come to me, it's not just me. you got a whole community <laughs> of people, of like-minded people who love self-development, who love building relationship, who understand the meaning of social capital. Brilliant. I think everybody who listens to this podcast, if you've chosen to listen to our podcast, they are people who love self-development. And so we will put all of the links to everything that Eric just talked through in the show notes. So if you just scroll down, we'll make that all clickable. We'll put that in our LinkedIn when we post today's show. And we'll also do that on Instagram as well. So we'll make it really easy for you to find all of those things that Eric described. But for today, I just wanted to say thank you so much to Eric for taking the time to talk to us. I was saying to him at the start of our conversation that he was actually recommended to us by one of our Squiggly Career community and podcast listeners. And then obviously did lots of research and got in touch with Eric. So this is the first time that we've connected. And I feel like we've got lots in common in terms of what we're trying to do, making careers better for everyone and sharing your ideas and your insights so generously with everyone. So thank you so much for your time. And thank you, Sarah, for inviting me. I really enjoy myself today. And to the listener out there, I'll see you on LinkedIn. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you're inspired to explore how you could develop in different directions, there are loads of free courses and learning available on the Government Skills for Life website. And that's gov.uk forward slash skills for life. Put the link in the show notes and it's really worth having a quick click around because there's loads of good courses out there from things like the basics of coding, learning about green skills, run by 
brilliant experts and very credible universities from all across the UK, different training providers. Most of the courses can be done remotely and they're pretty flexible and free, which is a, a good combination. So worth having a look at that if that feels relevant for you. That's all for this week. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode and we'll be back with you again soon. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 